In this uh, season of church life that we're in at the moment, uh, unusually for us, rather than preach through one particular uh, book, or uh, uh, so recently we, I think we went through the whole of Hebrews and also uh, the whole of 1, 1 Timothy, rather than looking at uh, just one particular book and rolling all the way through, we're taking this term really to consider what does it mean to be a New Testament church? We're in this season of considering our, our vision. It's a time of preparation as well. Preparation for planting a new congregation. Preparation for new small groups that are starting in May. Um, preparation for a new season. And so at this time, we're looking at uh, what are we believing for as a church together? What does it mean to be a church? We've looked so far at being a people on mission. That was our starting point. I suppose we could have chosen many different starting points, but that seemed the best one to go for. What does it mean to be a church? Well, it means we're on God's mission. Sometimes we can think that we're just adding the Lord into what our, our mission, our desires might be. Let's just add a little bit, squirt a bit of God into my life. Um, no, it's actually us coming to him. Jesus says to his disciples, come and follow me. And we're uh, encouraged to do the same. We want to follow Jesus. We're not just asking God to follow us. Asking him, uh, he's asking us to follow him and in, into his mission, what he's doing. He's at work on planet Earth. He's wanting to bring glory to his name. And so that grabs our attention and, and we give our lives to him. So that's where we started, reminding ourselves that we're a people on mission, on God's mission. Uh, last week, we were looking at being a people of the word. Um, focus on that. Richard helped us, just uh, reminding us what it means to be a people of God's word. Chiefly then just focusing on how. What are the different ways of getting into God's word, nourishing ourselves on, uh, on what he's given to us uh, in, the, in the scriptures. And today, following on from that, we're going to spend uh, some time together this morning considering what it means to be a people of faith. It's not just a, a, a city church distinctive we're looking at what does it mean to be a New Testament church and God's new covenant people are distinct in this way, that they are a people of faith. And we're going to turn to uh, Romans uh, chapter 4. As you'll see on the way through, there's many different passages, even just within Romans, that we could look at to consider being a people of faith. We're going to, uh, I'm just going to read from Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Uh, through to the very beginning of chapter 5. So if you've got a Bible with you, you can be turning there, Romans chapter 4, verse 16, or you can read on the screen as I read it out. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He's the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet 
He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. That is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So there we have it, just this passage in Romans, packed with faith, packed with references uh, to faith. This is uh, Paul's, uh, one of Paul's concerns right through the letter, just to highlight faith and the role of faith amongst God's people and in receiving uh, the good news that's in Jesus. He begins uh, in this way, uh, in, in Romans chapter 1, this great statement in verse 16 where he tells us, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And he takes the whole book to, to unpack that wonderful declaration and this, uh, this reminder that even in the Old Testament it was written the righteous will live by faith it's always been by faith God's people have always been those who, who live by faith and Paul is now uh, sharing that and helping us to see how that relates to faith in Jesus so that's what we're going to look at we're going to look at what it means to be a people of faith we're going to start by considering that really the people of faith are a people of faith in the gospel. That's our starting point. That's how it all began for us. The starting point was hearing the gospel, hearing the good news about Jesus. Paul writes later on in, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, he writes there, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. We hear the message, we hear the message in Jesus and, and believe. That's what's happened to so many of us uh, in this room. Somehow, sometime, we heard the message. We heard about Christ. Maybe that was uh, the moment of faith came just personally. No one else was around. You were in your, in your room, you'd close the door, but you'd been considering the good news in Jesus. You were reading through the scripture and a point comes... When you believed. Maybe it was when someone was, was speaking. Uh, maybe uh, to just a small group of you. Or, or maybe in a situation like this. And you heard the message of Jesus. And faith, faith came. You heard about him. Uh, Paul has been writing about him. He's been saying in, in, uh, in chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, for example, verse 22. The righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who 
believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. This message of Jesus, this message of what he has done, he's made available a righteousness that means that we can stand before God fully and freely forgiven by virtue of him, by virtue of what he's done, of his great work in verse 25 of the same chapter. Romans 3 verse 25, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. You heard about what he did. Heard about Jesus dying on the cross. And faith came. Reckoned that happened. The Son of God died for me. He paid for my sin. He took my place. He took my punishment. And now I can know God. I can have totally right standing before him now and forever into eternity. I believe it. That happened to you. Maybe you can't say precisely, oh, I, I know exactly the dates that it came. I, I can remember the moment so crystal clear, just like it was yesterday. Maybe it was yesterday. But um, for some, they can say that. Yeah, there's this precise moment. I reckon that's, that's when I knew faith came. It bubbled up in me. For some of us, we can't pinpoint the precise date or moment. But as we know now, I think, right, I, you can say it right now. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he's the Son of God. I believe he died in my place. I believe that he rose again, and now I can know new life. Yeah, I believe. I'm a believer. When did that happen? Could have been when I was 10. Maybe it was when I was 15. I, I, don't worry about those details. The fact is, if you're saying, yeah, Jesus Christ is Lord, and he died in my place, and he rose so that I can know him and be freed from sin, then faith has come, hasn't it? Faith came up, it bubbled up. A faith that Jesus died in our place. Faith that total forgiveness is available only in him. And a faith that we don't contribute anything. We didn't have to come with years of good works behind us to commend us to God. Faith in Jesus plus my efforts. Faith in Jesus plus my good works. No, it's faith in Jesus. Pure and simple. It's about his performance, not mine. It's about his works. It's not about mine. It's about what he's done. It says just a little bit further on than the verses I read earlier um, in, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Yeah, that's what, what did we have? We didn't have any power. We were ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What, what did we contribute? What, what did we bring to the equation? Just our sin. Nothing of any value. Nothing of any merit. There was nothing to commend ourselves. We just, as I am, Lord, I, I'm yours. Forgive me. But faith has come. Faith has come in a God of love who demonstrated that love in Jesus dying. And that faith itself was not something that, that we achieved. It wasn't something that we worked up. Uh, it was something that 
came to us. Came to us because God gave it. God gave it like, uh, uh, as a gift. It says in, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So that we, we can't even boast in the faith that came to us. It's all him. It's all his kindness. It's all his goodness. Worked out in history that at just the right time, Jesus came. At just the right time, Jesus died in our place. And then in our lives, faith came. Maybe uh, that faith for you is, is yet to come. You're here, you're listening. You're yet to be fully persuaded. Maybe faith will bubble up today. As we've been worshipping, as we've been uh, in his presence, and now as we're, uh, as we're looking at his, uh, at his word and at his son. So we're a people of faith because well, that's who we are. That's how it started. It started with, with us hearing the gospel and, and believing it came to us because God gave us uh, faith in Jesus. That's our starting point and that's what shapes us all the way through life. We've committed our whole lives to him and trusted our eternity to him. We might think, oh, I don't have great faith. I'm not sure I've got faith for this. I've got faith for that. Well, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're believing that your eternity is with him. As, as, as Rory read from, uh, from Colossians, our life is hid with him. And one day I'm going to be with him. So that we enjoy, we enjoy now the reality that we belong with him. And, and that's our destiny. That's our future as well. With Christ in glory forever. And Paul spends a lot of time as well saying, well, yeah, we're a people of faith in the gospel and a people of faith like Abraham. I wonder if you've ever looked at your, uh, your family tree, how, if you've traced back your, your own heritage, your family line, how many generations you may have gone, uh, gone back and, and worked it out. Sometimes that's the sort of thing you see on the television where maybe a celebrity uh, tries to work out, who, who do you think you are? And uh, with a little bit of detective work and a bit of help, they're assisted in discovering their own family heritage, their own family lines, spreading back uh, generations. Maybe they discovered things about their, their family, generations previous, that really amazed them and blessed them. It's like, wow, I didn't realize it, but I've, I've got royal blood in my history. Or maybe they'd look back into their family history and discover just a horror show of, of crime and wretchedness and all sorts of disasters. Oh no, who am I? And their identity is shaken uh, to the very core. We can get like that sometimes. We can think, who, who am I? We might think, I'm the product of, of my parents and, and my grandparents before them. And, and obviously we know that some certain character traits might be inherited, certain features. I've got my grandfathers to thank for, for my hairline. Um, uh, we, we might look back to physical features. Oh, you've got your mother's smile and your father's nose. Hallelujah. Um, for the smile, anyway. I don't know. But we, we can look back like that, can't we? Trace back through, uh, where have I come from? Who am I? Well, that, that might be interesting, but I believe that Paul would say, well, don't, don't just look back to your, your human earthly family line. Look, 
Look who your father is, according to Romans chapter 4. It's, it's Abraham. Consider him. The promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Oh, well, is that just talking about those who have descended? No, maybe there are some of you here, and you, you could actually trace your family heritage back to Abraham. You've got, some, you've got Jewish roots, Jewish ancestry. Give thanks for it. But we're, being encouraged, we're all being encouraged here to look back to Abraham, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. When we came to faith in the gospel, we came into the same family. How does that happen? Now, there might be some people here, and you can explain this better than I can, in, 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 in gardening terms, in, in horticultural terms, how it's possible to have the root from one plant, the rootstock, and you can, forgive me, I don't really know the terms, but I know the word branch. Okay, you can find a branch from another plant and you can graft them in. You can make the join. And now they're together, they're, they're functioning. This is, this is one plant. Growth is happening. Life is happening. Fruit is being, uh, is being born. There's, there's water that's being drawn through from the roots, through from the soil, all the way through into the branch. It didn't used to belong to it. But now they're functioning, one plant grafted in. That's what's happened to us. We've been grafted in to Abraham's family because of faith. So it doesn't really matter your, what your grandparents' hairline, your father's nose, your mother's smile. It's, what's the characteristics of this family? Well, Abraham, the man of faith. So this faith is working, is working through us and in us. And Abraham's life shows us what a life of faith uh, looks like in a whole number of ways. It's a, a faith in God's word. Abraham received the word of God. God spoke to him as it is written in verse 17. I have made you a father of many nations. And the Lord said that to him before he was a father of anyone. I mean, Abraham's name originally was Abram, meaning exalted father. But God, and he has no son, has no children. And, but from the age of 75 onwards, God's given him a word. God has promised something to him. God said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Later on in Genesis chapter 15, he says, well, how will this be? At the moment, it's a servant in my household that will inherit because I've got no offspring of my own. And then the Lord, maybe they were already outside, the Lord takes him outside, says, look up at the stars. What, can you count them? No, oh, so shall your offspring be. Wow. And then what does it say in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6? Abraham believed. He didn't work it up, muster it up, but he believed God's word. He believed that what God had told him was true, and as we go on to see, he believed that God was able to make it happen. Now that faith is not the power of positive thinking. It's not just optimism. It's not wishful thinking. Sometimes that's the explanation that can be given. Oh, I don't quite have the faith that you have. I, I can see it's great value and, and benefit, but I, I, I just can't muster that up. But I can see you, I see, you know, we're encouraged, aren't we, just to, just to look inwards and to, to think positive thoughts. And sometimes we can be tripped up imagining that if we, if we 
if we think something hard enough, if we believe something hard enough, if we can just stay positive enough, if we can put, look on the bright side, if we can kind of just talk a good game and be optimistic, then maybe it might happen. And the focus is on us. And the focus is on faith. And the focus is on, I've got to make it happen. No, Abraham couldn't make it happen. That's the whole point. His faith was in the word of God. His faith was in what God had told him. That, he, that was his faith. He believed. We don't make it happen. The emphasis is not on the greatness of our faith at this point. The emphasis is on the greatness of God's word. Abraham believed God. Abraham's faith was also realistic. You might think, well, what, just in the sense of believing in what might realistically happen? That doesn't mean that. And maybe there are some, uh, I'm just hazarding a guess, there, there could be some Welsh rugby fans uh, in the room today. And uh, before yesterday afternoon, that you may, you may have said, I'm, you're a believer, you believe in Welsh rugby. And, uh, and you believed. We're going to do it. We're going to beat the English. And uh, now we can look back now and say, well, there are two teams. They're both professionals. They're both really well trained, both well coached. And the Welsh just performed better. We could talk about them being a home game and all the rest of it. But, well, that, you, that's a kind of faith, but it's a faith in what might realistically happen. Sometimes we can just think of faith as something, well, I can, I can believe for something if it seems quite realistic. Now, that's not what Abraham was believing. It wasn't realistic in that sense, just to imagine that at the age of 100 that he would suddenly become a father for the first time. But his faith was realistic in the sense that he was facing the facts. That's what we're told. Verse 19 and 20, without weakening in his faith, in his faith he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. He faced facts. It says, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and so on. But it was a faith that was able to face the facts. It wasn't pretending. Abraham wasn't pretending Actually, I'm 25 years old. No, he wasn't pretending. He wasn't denying reality. He wasn't denying the facts. He was acknowledging, my body's as good as dead. I'm almost 100. So it wasn't pretense. He wasn't being invited into unreality. Sometimes we can think that's a life of faith. A life of faith is just... Don't, don't acknowledge anything that might be discouraging. If, if you've been healed straight, if you've been prayed for healing, you've got the sling on your arm, you think, right, I'm, I'll just take the sling off. That's it, I'm, I'm healed. I won't, I won't actually test out whether it is or not. I've just, I've just got to be positive. Pretend. You don't have, faith doesn't mean pretending. Faith can look at the facts, acknowledge them, and say, but I'm trusting God. It says of Abraham that his faith was strengthened. In verse 20, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith. How was he strengthened in his faith? Well, it says, and 
He was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. It could also be rendered there that he was strengthened in his faith as he gave glory to God. It was giving glory to God that strengthened his faith. Focusing on God, focusing on God's greatness. In, in verse 17, I think we get the flavor of that. Speaking of Abraham, it says, He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Maybe there were times that Abraham was feeling discouraged and he turned to the Lord and said, Lord, you are the one who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. He could look back to the creation of the world, to the, the account of creation that had been handed down through the different generations and know that God spoke into chaotic nothingness and by his, simply by his word of command, light came, life came, the universe came. Lord, you are the God, Abraham could say, you're the God who can do that. You're the God who can speak to nothing and create life. You're the, you're, the, you're the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. He was strengthened in his faith. You realize that's, that's part of the reason why we're worshiping God. That's part of the reason why we spend a, a, a good amount of time corporately like this. Just beholding God, worshiping him together. Did you notice that as we were worshiping today? How many songs early on were just referencing the greatness of God? He's great in power. I can't remember the order of this one. He's great in power, great in battle, great in mercy. If you've not got the words up there for that song, you could just be great in mumble. No, great in glory. It's a psalm. We can turn there as well, even if the, even if the screen doesn't work. Now, he's great. He's great in power. He's great in mercy. He's great in love. He's great over all things. That's what we've been singing. See how we've been declaring, you're, you're great, Lord. Then sings my soul, how great thou art. And then singing that new one that I can't quite remember yet. You've done great things. You've done greater things. Just reminding ourselves all the time, who are we, who are we singing to? Who are we believing? Believing a God who's done great things. Believing a God who's not... He's not run out. It's not like he's done everything and, and now he's just biding time. No, he's a God who effortlessly does great things, just speaks to stars, come into place. Who raised Jesus from the dead. A God who can do great things, a great God. That just reflects the, the importance of coming to him in worship. Sometimes we are just singing the same song a few times. It's, are, we, are we getting it? Are we, are we singing the words? Or is it stirring us to worship in spirit and in truth and to remember what is totally real? God is great. He's alive. And he is at work on planet Earth. Sometimes we can, just, we can start with our glass of water. 
as we heard that prophetic encouragement earlier on from Phil, we can start with a, a glass of water. Have you seen those little kind of tiny bottles of squash? Allegedly, they're like super concentrated and you can just squirt in a tiny drop. And, um, and it's supposed to diffuse through all the water and, and make it... Well, you try it and you, go, you look at it on just one squirt. You think, Really? And sometimes we can be like that, so, so focused on our own effort, so focused on our own resources, so focused on our own energy. I haven't got great faith, I haven't got great energy, I, I've not got a great track record, I, I haven't got anything. I've, this is it, this is me, but I'll, I'll try and just squirt a little bit of God into the mix. Maybe a little bit of him. And we, it's all the wrong way around. We start, start with him. Start with what God's like. Maybe Abraham could have done that. He could, well, this is what my body's like. This is how the week's gone. Here's how old I am. Just got past my 95th birthday. He could rehearse what life is like. He could rehearse what doesn't work anymore. The next bit of me to not work properly. And he could do that. But yeah, I think he started with God. Or he certainly came back to the Lord. So what's God like? Not what am I like. What's God like? What's true about him? Faith gets strengthened as we consider him. Now, sometimes, either personally, in our own devotion, in our own worship, or corporately in a moment like this, it can kind of switch around. And suddenly we're, we're, we're more focused on, 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 on how am I doing, how, how am I feeling, what, what is going on in life. Uh, I, I had hope, but, but that hope's been disappointed. What, uh, got some hurts and disappointments and we're just trying to squirt a bit of God into, into that but really the focus is on ourselves what we haven't achieved what we haven't managed and worship can kind of become this downward spiral of if only, if only God would just do something oh and we just need to, to remind ourselves to wake up What's going on here? Maybe this morning was a wake-up call. Phil's encouragement, this wake-up call. Who is it I'm believing in? Who is it that's broken into my life? Who is it that's at work on planet Earth right now? What, is, what has he done? We can, we, can, we can go back through the past. We can, look. we can look at Abraham. We can look through the Scripture. Maybe there's other things that we can look back in life and say, well, I know God's done that. I know God worked then. I know God brought faith into my life at this point. I know God has answered that prayer. Now we can, we can tell a different story. Look what God has done. And look what he's capable of do, doing. Uh, Abraham was strengthened in his faith. It can be easy for us. It can be very natural to turn inwards, to focus on ourselves, to spiral downwards. Well, this is what I'm like. This is what I've inherited through my family line. Uh, nothing's, nothing can change now. Uh, no. Look at the family that we've been brought into. Look at the faith. This family of faith. Where the focus is on God. What is he like? What has he said? And to see that that faith is rewarded, is blessed. Rewarded in the sense that God says to Abraham, well, Abraham believed God credited it to him. Can't quite say that word. Credited it to him as righteousness. Well done. I see your faith. 
And God gave him, God fulfilled that promise of a son. And we're to, look, we're to be a people of faith in the gospel. We can be a people of faith like Abraham, looking back to him to actually see what a life of faith looks like so that we don't get drawn into some other version that isn't really faith in God. It's faith in the power of positive thought or something. It's No, no, no. This is, this is a faith that's grounded in God and what God has said and what we know God is like. We can look back. Maybe we can look back, like I've already alluded to. We can look back to what we know of God from our own story thus far in life or as a church, considering what do we know God has done? What has God done for us before now, and there are stories to tell of, of buildings and finance and blessing and, and God's work. And the purpose of looking back is not just to reminisce, it's not just to say, oh, wasn't it wonderful then? Oh, do you remember when we moved into the Jubilee Center? Do you remember when we didn't have any money? We still don't, but anyway. We, do you, <laughs> I tell you that, I was just. Um, Whilst on the subject, I can, I can just think of a, of a time last year, we, we gathered around, a few of us of staff, just looking at the accounts actually, going, well, we're trusting God in the midst of, now, a lot of blessing and a lot of generosity. Um, sometimes there can be some unplanned things you need to do around the place. And, and it was just Richard who said, a particular month came and we just saw God's, saw God's blessing that blew the predictions. We can look at figures. We can look what, what might we expect to receive as a church financially. Well, and there was this particular month that just blew those expectations. We were kind of just a bit worried. Told a few leaders, didn't blab it to the whole church. Just would you pray a little bit? And Richard said, so I prayed. He wasn't boasting. It's just in a private kind of discussion moment. I prayed for some encouragement this month. And we just looked back and thought, look, God's answered Richard's prayer. No, other people's prayers as well. But it came in the month that he'd been praying. He thought, oh, well done, Richard. Just, I'm believing you for an encouragement in that month. Thank you, Lord. And you can have stories like that. Maybe you have, maybe you have a story of that personally. Oh, God, I kind of need something from you this month. <laughs> maybe living by faith is a financial stretch. It's, that's where it's lived out. It's faith, God. We provide. Maybe you've got some stories. I think sometimes as a church we can be a bit cautious with our stories. We can be, oh. We've got a God who answers prayer. We've got a God who knows how to break, break in. We know a God who doesn't just have to do the predicted thing. That the thing that might seem realistic, where we can trust God to do something if we could kind of imagine it happening anyway. Like, dare I say Wales beating England. No, we Believe God, believe God. What with that encouragement earlier on for unprecedented things? We've never experienced this before, but God can do great things. Therefore, we're believing things, we're believing things that we've never seen with our own eyes. Never seen this building totally full. We've never been a church meeting on three sites. Now we've been a church that's seen blessings, but we're, we don't just want to say, God, repeat exactly what you've done before. We can trust you for things that have happened before in our own experience. Now we're trusting God for things that have never happened before. God's not limited by our experience. God's not limited by what we've just prayed before. God 
has done great things. And God's at work. Sometimes that feels risky, it feels scary, because we're stepping out into things. We're like Peter stepping out of the boat. Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. He'd never walked on water before. He hadn't like worked up his water-walking ability. I'll start in the shallows, I'll gently move out, I'll choose a calm day. One day, maybe I'll, you know, when the water's a bit choppy, I've built up my water-walking resources. No, he didn't have anything. But Jesus, if, if it's you, tell me to come to you, and I'm, I'm going to come. And so he steps out, and he walks out to Jesus. He, what, is he, what is he doing at that point? He's looking at Jesus. He's not looking inwards. Do I have it in me to walk on water? No, Peter, you don't have it in you. As a church, we can think, do we have it in us to reach a city? Do we have it in us to, to, to be a church of multiple congregations across the city? Do we have it in us to pray for the sick? Do we have it in us? And culturally, there can be that pressure all the time. Look inwards. Try and find strength in yourself. No, we don't try and find strength in ourselves. We find strength by looking at him. We find strength by considering God. And then step out. Now it says that Peter started looking at the wind and the waves. How do you look? Anyway, he, he looked at the wind and the waves. He started to look to the situation. Oh my goodness, what am I doing? Sometimes faith can feel like that. What am I doing? Our eyes are taken from the Lord and we start considering. Oh, I've never done this before. What's going on? How is the water keeping me up? It's really choppy out here. And he starts to sink. Jesus says, you have little faith. Actually, Jesus says that a whole number of times to his disciples. You have little faith. To the Canaanite woman, he says, ah, oh, for such great faith. To a Roman centurion, he says, wow, I've never seen such faith as this. Because a centurion is, says, you don't even have to come to my house. You don't have to meet me. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. I've never come across faith like this. It's amazing. Speaks to the disciples and says, you have little faith. Sometimes we have to acknowledge that, don't we? Come before the Lord and say, actually, yeah. By walking with you, Lord, for these years, my, my faith could be stronger. Maybe I should be a bit further on by now in my faith. Don't get distracted. Because the Saviour who said, oh, you have little faith, totally committed to those men of little faith. <laughs> totally committed. To working in their lives. Jesus persevered with them and they kept walking with him. And for us, faith is about taking that next step. We don't know how the whole journey looks. Lord, even though I might be a man of little faith, I'm going to step out again. I'm going to take the next step. I'm going to keep following you. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to trust that you're at work. Oh goodness, where have I got to? People of faith. A people of faith learning what faith looks like from Abraham. And then a people of faith about the future. Looking back on what God has done to strengthen us as we give glory to him that helps us to take steps into the future, into the unknown, into the what next. The alternative at that point is we can look back and then we can look forward and we're, we're not living by faith it is the family DNA, if you like, but we're, we're kind of just drifting into fear. We so often hear 
fear. And we live in a world, if people don't have God, people who don't know God and who only have themselves and only have their own resources, that's a scary place to live. It might be scary to step out into the unknown with God, but it's more scary to live without God. And so we can be believers, but we're living in an unbelieving world, and that can rub, rub up on us. And fear, if we allow it to take root, give, give rise to all sorts of things. Worries, because we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what life will bring. In worry, we can start to voice unbelief. Oh, no. In fear, we can just start to focus on the very realistic, the very feasible. And what that does, it just puts us in control. We will only step out if we're in control. We'll only step out if we're sure. We'll only step out if the bank balance is amazing. We'll only step out if we have some kind of cast iron confidence. Well, that's just likely to be self-confidence or... Or something that we don't want to cultivate. Fear can, can dress itself up as wisdom and pass, pass itself off as cynicism. <laughs> Pretending to be wise. Well, I, I've heard that before, and it didn't happen. I, that, that prophecy about how this year would pan out, yeah, there's always something like that going on. I, I've, heard, I've heard it before, the rallying call to faith. You know, after a while... After the, after the experience of a few years, you, you kind of learn not to put your hope in that, not to allow your hopes to be built up. Just settle. Settle for the lowest, lowest common denominator, the, the lowest expectation. What might God do? Eh, it's probably just down there somewhere. We're all just going to bumble through forever. Well, a lot of life, a lot of living by faith is in, in the midst of ordinary life, which is a mixture of battles and blessings, encouragements, and setbacks and disappointments. But we believe in a God of great things. Believe in a God of, of great mercy and great power. It doesn't guarantee every success. But we believe in God. We're believing that he's leading us into our future. We believe that he has plans to shape it. We're and then when we hear the word of God, also on other occasions when we're, we're hearing prophecy, you might think, well, this prophecy is just entirely subjective. Someone's coming and they're, and they're sharing something they feel God might be doing. But yeah, but we weigh it. We evaluate it. We sense it. And, and then we, we, we want to mix it with faith. There's a childlikeness. We can, we can pretend to be sophisticated and wise and you know, nothing's ever going to change. Nothing's going to happen. God can't break through. God doesn't ever do dramatic things. He just does ordinary things. God can do all things. Nothing's impossible for him. So when we're hearing God's word breathed out, the, the scripture, yes, I, I believe it. Sometimes we might be saying to the Lord, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. I believe you, Lord. Sometimes there is a tug of war going on. Help me in my unbelief. I want to hear what you're saying to me right now and, and mix it with faith. <laughs> that wonderful encouragement earlier on about being a prisoner of hope, just unable to escape from hope because we're God's people. Therefore, there's a hope for the future. There's faith in what comes next. There's a God who's at work tomorrow. 
There's a God who's doing great things. Are we taking steps of faith? Just one at a time, perhaps. But steps of faith in prayer? I kind of stopped praying so much now. Uh, Some of us might think, well, we are people who believe the word. The word of God says, I've got a loving Heavenly Father who welcomes me into his presence. I'm believing that the blood of Jesus is eternally effective for my life. I believe that I've been made righteous. I believe, therefore, that I can pray. I believe that God hears me. I believe that he answers. I believe that I don't have to work at kind of perfect, powerful prayers. It's not that my prayers are something special. It's that he's something special. And because he is something special, I can pray. I can speak to him. I don't have to be feeling something special in the moment when I get up. But I believe. I believe that he's at work. I believe that he's available. Believe in God in prayer, and, and that can lead us on adventures. Faith can develop in a whole variety of ways. Elsewhere in Romans, he'll talk about different measures of faith. And faith is expressed in different ways throughout the church because we're a body. We don't all have the same function, he'll say. There are different gifts. There are different things. Faith can be expressed in, in prophecy. It can be, a, it can be expressed in, in giving. It can be expressed in sharing faith to others. It can be expressed in teaching. It can be expressed and developed in, uh, and exercised in any number of ways. Uh, at work, in the life of the church, that's one of the exciting things about being, being part of a church, is seeing different expressions of faith. Thinking back to the... Uh, the days not so long ago of the 9.30 con- congregation. And just sometimes where, where, where Natalie would come up and just have a chat with me or someone else at the microphone and say, I just feel I've got some words of knowledge for healing. Think, Brilliant. Let's go for it. Let's see what God will do. She shares some words people are getting prayed for. It's stepping out. Faith that involves action. Not just praying, Lord, you do everything. I'm, I'm just going to sit back. But, but no, being willing to take a step. Take a risk beyond the point of no return. I think God wants to do something. I think, wow, let's see what he'll do. Faith for healing. Just gifts of faith for particular things. It doesn't, doesn't he'll say, you know, don't think of yourself more highly than you, than you ought. It's not about saying, oh, look at the great faith I've got. Look at the faith that I'm exercising. It's look at him. Look at what he's freely giving. Look at what God is doing. And trusting him. But there's, there's more to come. Right at the beginning of Romans, mention that verse at the beginning. I'll mention it now at the end. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. That's who we are. It's not just what we're called to do. It's who we are. If you've received Jesus... You're part of this family of faith. A people of faith who believe God, trusting God with our eternity and trusting God with tomorrow. Trusting Him, I'm going to be with Him forever. I'm going to be with Him tomorrow as well. From first to last, it's like faith, it was our starting point. This gift was given at just the right time. This gift given, Jesus dying and then coming We heard about it, 
and this faith emerged. That was our starting point. That's to be our characteristic all the way through. The family DNA. The family life. A people of faith. A people trusting God. A people who are prepared to acknowledge the facts. A people prepared to stand in front of impossibilities, but then lift our eyes to God, saying, nothing's impossible for you, Lord. Believing, believing you, heading into new adventures and seeing what the Lord will do. A faith that's developing in all sorts of ways amongst the people who believe in God.